Good morning. How's everybody doing? Are you ready for a good time this morning? Amen. We're so blessed to have Ronnie and Lisa with us this morning, great friends of ours. And uh, we had a wonderful first service, and we're glad you're all here to worship with us for second service. And uh, looking forward to uh, just a great time in the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your amazing love and your grace in our lives. Father, we come into your house just to honor you, to worship you, and to give you glory and praise through our lives. We thank you, Father, for your goodness today. Holy Spirit, you are our guest. We invite you to come and have your way in each and every one of our lives. Father, touch and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. Somebody said. Amen. Welcome, Ronnie and Lisa, this morning. Go ahead and stand. We're going to have a great time this morning. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Here's a song I wrote. We have words available for you called Resurrect Me Daily. Here's how we're going to start it. Come on. Every day I face worldly temptation. Living life here at this halfway station Caught between two places here on earth Trying to validate my human worth Well, it's a challenge, but I do my
Thank you. Good morning, everyone. That is my beautiful wife, Lisa Daggs. Uh, thank you very much. And we are so glad to be here with you, to worship with you, and to spend some time with you this morning, telling you about our favorite person on this world or any other world, about Jesus. So this morning, we're going to enter in and worship with you with a couple of songs. That they'll probably know. And if you don't, then you can read. We got them on the board. We're glad you're here. Thanks for having us. lost I was in chains the world had a hold of me my heart was a stone I was covered in shame when he came for me come on I couldn't run couldn't run from his presence I couldn't run couldn't run from his arms Jesus, he loves me, he loves me, he is for me. Jesus, how can it be? He loves me, he is for me. It was a fire deep in my soul, I'll never be. out of the dark and into the light when he called my name sing with me i couldn't run couldn't run from his presence i couldn't run couldn't run from his arms sing jesus he loves me he loves me he is for me Jesus, how can it be? He loves me, he is for me. He holds the stars and he holds my heart with healing hands that bear the scars. That rugged cross where he died for me, my only hope. can it be he loves me he is for me you sing it come on Jesus
There's a song we just learned probably two weeks ago. You've probably been singing it a long time before we did, but we saw um, Danny Goki sing it, a friend of mine, and Phil Cias, where I started a long time ago, um, has been producing a lot of Danny's stuff, but actually Jeremy Camp wrote this song, right? So I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm an alto, so I hope you can find a harmony. You can find one, right? Come on, are you with me? In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you can have all this world. Give me Jesus. When I am alone, oh, when I am alone, when Give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you can have all this world, just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. How many believe that? Amen. There we are. Amen. You could be seated this morning. Well, wait for you seated. Wait, stand up, stand up. Say hello to a friend next to you. Greet someone in the name of the Lord. Good to have you here this morning. Amen. Well, so good to have everybody with us here this morning. Pray you had a blessed week. And uh, so I don't know about you, I'm ready for spring to be completely sprung. Amen. And uh, for uh, a little shift in the weather, but it looks like we're going to have some more rain this coming week. But we'll take that too. Praise the Lord. Amen. We want to welcome you. Maybe you're here today for the very first time. We'd just like to welcome you. If you're here, would you just raise your hand so we could welcome you? we got a special gift we'd like to give anybody that's here for the very first time. God bless you, young lady right here and the young man right behind her. God bless you, both of you. Amen. Hallelujah. Wonderful, wonderful. Good to have you. That young man right behind her, Sally. Amen. Hallelujah. Good to have you folks with us. God bless you. Wonderful, wonderful. Amen. And then Sally, that couple right there behind Eve and, and uh, them right there to your left. Philip and his uh, lovely bride there. Praise the Lord. Amen. Welcome. We greet you guys in the name of the Lord. So good to have you here this morning. And uh, pray God will richly bless you. You're blessed being here for Ronnie and Lisa. How many enjoyed that so far? Good stuff. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're going to prepare our tithes and offering this morning in worship with our giving, and I want to give you a heads up that at the end of service, we want to receive a special love offering for Ronnie and Lisa, so if you just uh, let the Lord speak to you about what you could give in a way of, of sowing into their ministry to be a blessing to them, and we'll receive that offering at the end of service, and uh, so uh, we want to be a blessing to them. How many can agree? Yes. Praise the Lord. So uh, this morning, I just want to share a thought about giving, and as praying this morning, preparing for this, to take this offering, and uh, was uh, meditating on a thought of how our obedience opens a door for God to move in the earth in our life. 
We forget that many times. Romans 12 and verse 1 says this. I love the way the message Bible says it. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. I love that translation. The King James just says, I beseech you by the mercy of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. But I think about just everything about our life, our everyday ordinary life, honoring God with that. And when we look at what giving does, it's an amazing thing. And then if you look at Abraham and what happened with Abraham is that God asked him to give back the promise that he had given him. And God said to Abraham, give me your son, your only son, Isaac. And I don't know if you ever thought about why God asked Abraham to give his son or really what your giving does. But God said, there's something I want to do in the earth. The reason God asked us to give is because there's something that he wants to do in the earth. And our giving opens a door for God to be able to do what he wants to do in the earth. It's hard for us to understand that. But God wanted to send his son into the earth. How many are thankful that Jesus came? Amen. Amen. But he couldn't come until God could get a man in the earth to give his son. And because Abraham gave his giving, opened the door for God to give his son. And we receive that benefit. Every time you and I give, our giving opens a door. When it says in Malachi about tithing, it says your tithes and offering opens the windows of heaven. And if we ever get free from the bondage of money and being afraid to give, we would have an open door of God doing all that He wants to do in the earth. Just think about that. What if God was restrained by our giving from what He wants to do in the earth? You think, well, God, you're sovereign. You could do anything. But He wants to do it through us and he gave us authority I just wrote this thought down it says every time we give an obedience to God through our worship it opens a door in the earth for him to be able to do what he desires to do in the earth for the benefit of others and in our lives for our benefit we open the windows of heaven Abraham's obedience opened the door for God to give us his son faith is the key that unlocks the door the door swings upon the hinges of our obedience and our love for God is the hand that pushes it open. Father, today I thank you that you desire to do everything in the earth through our life. You've chosen not to work apart from us, but to work through us. And you ask us to agree with you and to open the door for you to pour out your blessing in the earth through our obedience. So today we honor you, we worship you, and we swing the door wide open in Jesus' name. Somebody said. Amen. God bless you. Ushers, receive the offering. We'll roll our update for you. God bless you all. Anybody stay from the first service? Oh, wait, wait a second. Anybody stay? I know, honey. <laughs> all right. Well, y'all that are here in the second service get to hear the end of my first sermon. <laughs> and then the second one. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, pastor said that y'all usually know that, you know, you got a place at the restaurant around 2 o'clock or so. So we'll make sure you don't miss it. Um, <laughs> We, we don't want to change things around too much, but we hope that this morning, the Spirit of God, we already know it's in the church, right? You brought him with you, didn't you? Yes. So we want to just enter in, and actually we want to worship with you. I do have a word of God that I, that I believe that God gave me, and I want to share it with you this morning, but we want to give you a few songs, too, and show you what we, we do when we're out there. 
Sometimes we don't get to go preach in churches because they don't want to hear it. But they let us come in and sing, and then we kind of slide the word in between the songs, and they didn't know it was any better. You know, they didn't know any better. Uh, this song, first one we're going to do for you is actually um, a song that my lovely wife wrote. And uh, we were trying to get it in some of the political, you know, Huckabee or Trump or somebody. But uh, not yet, but it still could be. It is number two on the Inspirational Country Music Charts. <laughs> so we are, <laughs> she wants to get that thing to number one, which would put that at her 22nd Whew, number God's one good. single. God's good, That's good, 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 good. I don't get any money for it, but it's still fun. <laughs> and it would be wonderful, wouldn't it?
be wonderful because this world's gone crazy 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 um had a talk with my everybody's asked how faith is she's doing she's doing really good um she's coming around she's gonna be 19 <laughs> we're making it they say get to 21 or 25 and they do a lot better you know but she's 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 doing good i just am appalled at what's going on in the schools she's at sac city college and she's also working and um it's just been it's been kind of crazy to hear what what they can get away with in school. And I had a couple of um, college students come out after the first service and and indeed clarify what they have done and how they've removed themselves from the classes. Um, how many are meeting me for the first time? Come on, put it up there. Yay! Hi, um, I'm Lisa. Um, and I have um, 29 years clean and sober. Sure do. 11-11-89, I was handcuffed for the last time. Thank God. It wasn't the first time, but it was the last time. <laughs> and there was enough in those first few years oh that they God. wrote a book about it. They're going, yes. We're writing a book about it. Write a book about it. I had to proof it the last, I got it overnighted to me. I'm kind of, we've got a lot going on, um, which is good. We've got an award show to go to in Nashville, and uh, I'm going to meet the publishers at National Broadcast, NRB, National Religious Broadcasters, on Wednesday. But um, yeah, a book, a memoir is coming out, and I believe it's going to be called Regardless. And uh, the wonderful thing about this is some of you have known my journey and that I went through an awful, awful divorce. Well, this book had started way back then, and I had chapters one, two, and four done. And we had the summaries for all 21 chapters. And then I found out that my husband was not who I thought he was. And um, everything came crashing down. And I remember calling Gloria Gaither, bawling my eyes out and saying, you know, that's it. That's it. I, I mean, I'm a woman, for one, in ministry. I'm going through divorce. I've got a daughter. She's eight. Everything is gone. The book, forget the book. She goes, Lisa, your life is not over. Your story is not finished. And for 10 years, I had that green hanging file folder, and I kept putting it in LDM Ministries every year when I'd change out the, the files at January 1, clunk, there would go 10 years. And wouldn't you know when I got back from winning Entertainer of the Year last April on the Grand Ole Opry stage, the same CEO of the same Christian book company sent me a message and said, I'm ready, ready to talk about a book when you are. I'm like, what? It's amazing. So, God is, God is good. Hang in there. God is good. And I didn't know her 10 years ago, so I wouldn't have even been in the book, and now i got my own chapter. That's right. You just wanted to let them know you weren't the one that messed up. <laughs> but I messed up enough, and I'm so thankful for God's grace in my life. He is so good. He's so good. He is so good. All the time. I told them if he got me out of the mess, I know you've never said, Oh, Lord, please help me out of this, and I'll never do that. And I said it over and over and over and over. And this time I really meant it. I was facing three to five. Had a thousand dollar a day rock cocaine habit. And he lifted me out of the slimy pit. He set my feet upon a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. 
Psalm 20, 20, Psalm 41 through 3. And I want to say hi to Chris Holder. I haven't seen you. He's 88, did you say? Came to see me. He was one that raised his hand. He used to have the prayer center downtown. And Jane in front of him, thank you for coming. Um, yeah, you've known me a long time, so you know what I'm saying is true. Hmm. Life becomes too hard to stand. Neil. 
Kneel. My mom taught me how to kneel. My mom is a mighty woman of God. My mom is 92. She'll be 93 in a few days. Should God allow. I wrote this song for her, and um, this was number one a year ago, August, and before I went to Nashville, which is where I always write, I, I, laid my, I put my knees right by her bed while she prayed for her family. I have an older brother who died a year and a half ago. Um, he had um, hep C. He was a heroin addict. He, I got to lead him to the Lord 10 days before he died. <laughs> my mom is a pillar. And um, a friend of ours came to make fudge. Actually, a friend of my mom's a prayer partner. She wanted to visit my mom, but mom wasn't awake. She wouldn't wake up for us, so um, she was sleeping, and she gave me the greatest compliment. She looked at me in my kitchen, and she said, I'm looking at your mom. And um, a couple of the best compliments I ever had was when Bill Cather said, I love your spirit. He didn't say, oh, you're the greatest singer. He said, I love your spirit. So I go, I could die and go to heaven right now. This was for my mama. She wore out at least six Bibles, bindings broken, pages falling out. And um, she's going to have a beautiful crown. Because she prayed me back. So a lot of the jewels I was going to get, they're going to go in hers. I don't know if she's going to be able to hold her head up. She likes bling. <laughs> Shoes, her well worn. 
It is hard to watch family pass. I've been there. Both my parents are gone, and I was fortunate to have a very godly set of parents. My mom died just about three years ago. My dad, uh, 28 years ago now. But um, they raised me right, you know, um, and we're so thankful for it. Uh, I want to get into the message here pretty soon, so I'm going to sing a, uh, a couple of songs for you, I guess, that God has given me. You know, I want to write where if people hear the song and that's the only song they're ever going to hear, they may not think it's the best sounding song, but I hope they grasp onto the words and realize that Jesus is the reason that, we, that our heart beats. That's right. He's the reason that, the, that we have breath in our lungs. In the beginning, God created man and he breathed into his lungs. We have the breath of God in our bodies. And we too often forget that, that we are made to worship him, we are made to serve him, and life is so much better when we do. Let's go ahead and we'll do call on Jesus. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and still do kind of that thing. This is one that I wrote. Uh, a friend of mine, we were playing music one night, and he had played with the Greg Kinn Band and Sammy Hagar, and uh, I think I said before he would played in a lot of high places with a bunch of lowlifes or something like that. <laughs> hey, now. Uh, but maybe I didn't say it that way, but that's the way I meant it. Uh, but he was a good guy, and he was telling me the story of how one night he was heading back from a concert he couldn't remember where they had played or what was going on, but what he did know that he was under the influence of numerous substances. He didn't know how much he'd drank or what he'd even taken. It was the party life, and he, had, you know, he was a big-time rock guitarist. On his way home, he ran through a chain-link fence, and the top rail of the chain-link came through the windshield and impaled him. And he said that when he sat there, he just didn't know who to call. The way God works sometimes is pretty amazing because I said, well, I know who I would have called. I would have called on Jesus. And this is the song that God gave me for that. Just where you've been. You're not alone in your darkest hour. 
when you need a friend Call on Jesus Call on Jesus For everything you've loved, you've lost you got no will to ready to forgive if you call on Jesus call on Jesus well you say your heart's been broken his heart was broken too on a hill called Mount Calvary That's where he died for you So call on Jesus Call on Jesus Call on Jesus He will hear you he will answer when call. Call on Jesus. He is waiting. The King of Kings and Lord of all. Oh, call on Jesus. He will hear you. He will answer when you call. Call on Jesus. He is waiting. The King of Kings and so thankful. You know, it, I, I, I alluded to it first that I've never spoken um, the same message twice, and I know you won't get the same one that I spoke earlier. It'll be That's a That's why those other people stayed. Um, I got the same notes. I've never even used the same notes twice because uh, God wouldn't let me yet. I'm not like most pastors. They'll just regurgitate their messages every year. Easy Sorry, now. Pastor. Easy now. <laughs> Woo! I love Brother Don. They've been so our friends for a long time. We're not talking yeah. about you, Don. No, no, not you. Pastor. Every other pastor. Uh, we love him. He well, messes gotta, with me all the time, though, but I love you. I got to tell you. Like a big brother. The pastor that I came up under, he told me when I first started preaching, he said, now, Brother Ronnie, I want you to make sure that you keep all your notes. You put them in a binder. 
because you never know when God's going to ask you to preach that message again. I said, well, wouldn't he tell me to, you know, wouldn't he give me the same notes again? He says, it's not what it's about. It's about being instant in season and out of season. You may walk into a church, somebody see you and ask you to preach that morning or that evening, and he says, you need to be ready. So I carry around a sermon with me all the time, just in case. But, you know, that doesn't happen too much anymore because churches have changed. And um, it's not like it was in the old day when they had church so many times a week, you were just blessed to have somebody come else, but somebody else come and preach. You know, the pastor worked very hard, um, like Pastor Don does, worked very hard like that. So, <laughs> uh, this song is one that I really love. I have sung this song for I don't know how many years. I think it came out in 1987. What he won't tell you, he used to, his, his family used to open up for the Hensons, the Oak Ridge Boys, and the Goodmans. You know, anybody heard of those people before? It's pretty cool how God put him back in my life, and it's pretty cool that I finally said yes, right? That's a story that's not in the book, that whole process. I'll have to write my memoir about that because it took me about six years to get There's a film coming out. Okay, let's sing a song so we can get on to the word. (laughs) We're making it longer than shorter. I know. (laughs) Some lawyers can win And doctors can heal Your bankers can lend Till your pockets are few But if yours is a case of a sin-stricken soul For the problems you face, there's only one place to go Just climb up the mountain where steel springs the fountain Make it wider than snow Don't you gamble on life With all your luck and your skill Cause you can't play the cards Old man death's gonna deal For my Bible has planned who the loser is gonna be There's only two winning hands And you know what? Well, they were nailed to that tree So just climb up the mountain Where steel springs the fountain That sparkling crimson Called Calvary's glow Make it wider than snow. 
We left this song out this morning, but I'm going to do it, and I honestly, I hope you'll bear with me this morning. I may or may not ever get invited back. <laughs> so I got to give my one shot and just give it the best I got. I'm going to try to get you out of here. I don't even know what on time is, but I'm going to try to get you out of here. But I do believe that God has given me a message that he wants you to hear. So I hope you'll bear with me. Give me a little grace and, uh, and just continue to let God move upon your heart and mold it and, um, and just be receptive to what he has. This song, I think I need to tell you a little bit about it. This song came into life, and I told you, maybe it was the first service, so I'll tell you this. I came to know Jesus at a very young age. At five years old, I realized just how much of a rank sinner I was. And I was raised in a home where I got to see my family go to church every time the doors were open and then live that same life when they came home. So my mom and dad were great believers of the faith and, and great parents and models for me to look up to. I never had to get told, don't do that, and then say, well, mom, dad, you do it. I had the models of how I should live. Well, after all that, I grew up. I got married. And I waited a while to get married. I didn't get married until I was 25. I got married, and we started raising our kids in the house of God. After 26 years, when the kids were 18 and 22, one was going to college, one was going to, uh, one was going to college, one had graduated college and was starting her job. My wife announced to all of us at the same time that she no longer wanted to be married, no longer wanted to be a mother, and was going her way. Now, I don't know about you, if you've never gone through that, but if you love somebody and it's blindsided you, and you didn't know anything else, but I, I found myself about a year later at a men's retreat in my church. Now, thankfully, again, I had that background where I stayed close to God and my brethren, and I had brothers outside of my family. You know what I mean? Brothers in God that would lift me up. And they prayed with me and they counseled me. But one day I sat, I came in at 5.30 in the morning to a little altar in the front of this little chapel up in the hills. Nobody was there. I had my guitar and I sat down to write a song. Actually, I didn't sit down to write a song. I sat down to pray and complain. I complained to God that he had not done what I had asked him to do in my life. That I had done everything for him. And now why he was doing nothing for me, I didn't understand. That after all these times of God going where you've asked me to go, doing what you've asked me to do, raising my family the way you taught me to raise them. And now I'm here alone. I have nothing, God. And then I ask him this question. What? have you done for me? Now, I was so pious that I was telling God everything I'd done for him like he didn't already know it. And then I wanted to know, and I demanded an answer, what have you done for me? And I can say, thankfully, this song has been a blessing everywhere we've sung it. People have changed their lives, and I guess... We're going to do this, and you get a chance to change your life even before the message. But this is a song that God gave me when I asked him that very question, what have you done? This is what he answered me. There while sifting through the ashes 
of a life known for defeat. Jesus found a burning ember and gently laid it at his feet. Child, you know I love you And I'll make you over new Because that's what I do I said, Lord, I just don't understand How your love can be so true and he said long before time began I already loved you before you took your first breath you were someone that
that's what I do. just honored but humbled and my wife can tell you this is true I am humbled when I get and I don't say have to when I get to preach um, she asked me a few weeks ago she said well you're called to preach you enjoy preaching don't you and I said no I don't enjoy preaching I'm called to preach you know because there's sometimes and pastor knows this and any of you have ever preached you know that there are times when you have to impart a word that just may not be so user-friendly, if you will. And as an evangelist, I get to leave. And pastor gets to pick up all the pieces <laughs> and all those broken souls that I've just tortured and they, they thought they were doing right and I'm telling them they're not. And, or they thought that they weren't and I told them they were. That's even worse. But I am blessed today to stand behind this holy desk, such as it is today, and bring to you the Word of God. I would, if you would just stand with me for a minute, you probably need to stretch a little bit while we read the Word of God. This is out of Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 17. And when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Dear Jesus, I ask today, God, that you will help me to be a, a yielded vessel before you, God, before this congregation. The lives will be changed and your word will be imparted, God, just as you intended it. Father, I ask that you will come upon me right now, God, with your anointing. 
and let me impart those words that you've placed in my heart clearly. And let the ears and the hearts hear, God, and the souls be receptive to what you would have them hear. God, I ask if there are any lives here, God, that are not right with you before this day is over, they will choose to make it right. God, if there are those that are just living on the fringe, God, that they will not be lukewarm, but they will come back and be on fire for you. Lord, I ask that you will do these things for your glory, for you alone are worthy to be praised. Thank you, Father, for all of your goodness and your grace today. In your name, amen. You may be seated. So if I had to title this message today, it would certainly be, Who Do You Say I Am? You know, there's a lot of versions of Jesus going around today, and I don't know if you realize that, but we have constantly seen barrages and slow burns of trying to take the deity of Christ away. He was a good man. He was a prophet. They take away the Son of God. They fail to mention that. Let me tell you today, folks, Jesus Christ is the only begotten and risen Son of God. Without Him, we cannot be made heirs. Without Him, we're here to hear songs and to wish. But I don't wish. I have hope. And I have hope because I know He lives within me. So I want to tell you a little bit about what I've seen and what you all have seen too. What people say Jesus is and who He is. To the Muslim religion, Jesus was one of Islam's top, or many prophets, excuse me, hard to read through tears. Jesus was one of Islam's many prophets, a good and holy man, but certainly not the Son of God. To Mormons, they believe that God created Jesus through a relationship with one of his celestial wives. And in fact, according to the Mormon publication, The Pearl of Great Price and the LDS website, Satan was a son of God and a brother of Jesus equal to Jesus in nature. The Jehovah Witnesses tell us that Jesus is merely an angel who's just one of many gods that they say exist. And to underscore their belief, Jesus is not Almighty God. They give Jesus the title God with a little g in their published New World Translation of the Bible. I was telling the first congregation uh, many, 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 many years ago, in a land far away, I was in college. And in one of the classes I took, I took a class called the Psychology of Sleep and Dreams just to fulfill my general ed requirements. And I went into this class and I said, I felt like it was Stevie Nicks walking into the room. She came in all purple robes and they were flowy and this was the, the professor that was teaching. And she said, we're going to learn about the psychology of sleep and dreams. That's good because that's what the course is called. And you're going to keep a log of all your dreams. And when you wake up, I want you to write down your dreams because your spirit guide shows you things through dreams. That was my first little hair on the back of my neck standing up. Went on to say, she went around the room and asked everybody who their spirit guide was. Mine didn't go over too well. <laughs> but I can tell you this. Another fellow stood up and he said, she asked, so the question she actually asked were, who is your spirit guide? And... What, did you, what is your purpose on this earth? Okay, I don't know if everybody knows their purpose. I still haven't figured out mine completely, Pastor. But, you know, what is your purpose? They got around the room with all these people saying their grandma and their mother and their sister and their dead this and their dead that. I, I, honestly, I think one person even said it was his pet 
that had gone on. Um, that's pretty sad when you take advice from a dog, but never mind. <laughs> but when we got to this one fellow, he said that his purpose was to write another Bible because the one that people had been using for centuries was outdated and it needed to be updated and God had impressed upon him to write another Bible. I didn't see a halo. I didn't see wings. There was no aura around him at all. Pile of dust maybe, but no you know, ashes. I was surprised that God didn't strike him down. But in this world today, in a classroom setting, our kids are getting taught so much garbage. It's up to us to tell them what the reality is. We need to be the garbage disposal for their lives. We need to get that junk out of there. We've taken and separated church from state. We've taken God and prayer out of our schools. We can't teach about Jesus, but we can teach about anything else we want to. Lisa knows this firsthand. We were appalled this week to find out that her 18-year-old daughter attending Sac City College came home to say, Mom, it's a theater class, right? Honey? In a theater class, they brought in porn stars and were very descriptive about what they did in their movies and even showed movie clips so the kids could see what that is. Now, don't tell me that's not the devil and sin just trying to push themselves into our kids' lives. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you hear it, you can't unhear it. And they inject it into places like that. We teach our children civil unrest, but we never teach them respect. So if they don't like something that's going on, have a protest. Stand up about it, make a sign. But not kneel about it, pray about it, ask God to change it. The founders of America sought to keep government out of religion, not religion out of government. And we have forgotten about that too. And I get concerned because I know what God says. He says he's a jealous God. And in Exodus 23, he says, you shall have no other gods before me. But yet we placed everything before God. Everything that could be imaginable in our country today and in our world comes before God. We've, more, we've normalized sin and we've validated it. Sin is no longer sin. We used to call, and I don't want to offend anybody, we used to call people queers in my age group. Whether you meant it as a slam or not, we knew what you meant when you said that. Today we have, now it's not just the LGBT, but it's now the LGBTQIA, WXYZ. It stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, and asexual, and a myriad of other communities. Why do I bring this up? Well, it's because we have taken the deity and the creator out of our mix. We now say, I wasn't created right. Somebody screwed up, so I'm going to recreate myself. I want to be something else. God made me this way. I'm going to be this way. And trust me, I say this with a high degree of sensitivity in my life. A few years ago, three years ago now, my mom was 94 and she was passing on. I told you, a great saint of God. There was a period of time where she had had a fall and she went into the hospital and we just knew she wasn't going to come out. My daughter, who is now 31 years old, wrote me a letter during that week. It ended up being a week while my mom fell and was in the hospital till she passed, telling me that she was gay. I called Lisa that night and she thought my mom had died because that's how broken I was. I know what people feel with that. 
But you see, I love my daughter, at least I can tell you. There's still a warm relationship there. But I, every time I talk to her, tell her that she needs to get her life right. You see, because that's what my dad did for me. That's what my dad did for my brothers. I have a brother who's just older than me that um, for 30 years he was a, a, an alcoholic. And I don't think he spent a day without being, not just having drunk, but without being drunk. And he was in a church and out of church. And we had a singing group that Lisa alluded to. We were singing around. He would come and go from the group. And, and he just couldn't ever seem to beat that addiction. My dad suffered a heart attack leading a song on the pulpit called Hold to God's Unchanging Hand. And if any of you bless me enough to buy my CD, he's actually on that. Lisa had an idea when she produced it that let's go see if we can find some tape of your dad. So we found him, and this was a Christmas Eve service. And I don't mean just a Christmas Eve gathering. We had service in our family. A Christmas Eve service where my dad always read that when it was a, such a time to be taxed, they went up to Bethlehem. He read the Christmas story. Before that, he said, my children know what it is to be saved. And there are those of you who are not living right. He told us when we were and weren't right. Now, that brother was one of those that wasn't living right. My dad got up there and sang, hold to God's unchanging hand. And at the end of it, slumped to the stage and passed away about a week later. Suffered a fatal heart attack. During that time, there wasn't a whole lot of life going on in him. We were praying, of course, and we were believing that God was going to do something. He was just 70 years old. and By today's standards, that's not very old. So we believed that God was going to do something, but knew whom he had entrusted his soul to. God allowed him to have moments of clarity. And in one particular day, we were able to go in and they let us go in two by two. That's kind of symbolic too. But they let us go in two by two to my dad's ICU bedside. And he was clear as a bell. Like nothing had ever happened. He said... I went in with my brother, Steve, and he said, kids, I want you to know I saw Jesus. And you have to promise me that you will meet me there because I know where I'm going. Now, one thing, I, and Steve gave his heart to Christ later that day or somewhere right after that. He enrolled in a, a treatment program, went into that, and has never turned back and never had a drink since then, and he's serving God today. We were also blessed to have this young lady that was a, not a young lady, she, was, she was, had been there at the hospital, in the Orville Hospital, for years and years. She was like one of the head nurses. And she was a Christian. She was a black lady. And I loved how she prayed. And Juanita came in and prayed for Dad with us. When I got the call that he had passed, I rushed down to the hospital to see him one last time, knowing he'd already gone. One of the nurses said, I asked I said, did he say anything? She says, well, he said something like seagulls or I see. And Juanita said, child, I was in here with, she knew him. She said, I was in here with Charlie. He said, I see God. Now, that's the heritage that I came from. But today, we kill babies on demand. Just because the mother said, I didn't really want this. She couldn't figure that out. Then she figures it out now and I can help them by just telling them what causes babies 
but we never seem to relate that either. So, but today we do that. And they kill a living soul. Because my Bible tells me, and God showed that me in that song as well, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. It's in Jeremiah 1 and 5. But you know, I'm concerned about what, happening, what is happening in the churches today too. Lisa and I have had the privilege since being married, and honestly, even before that, God started to put our ministries together. But in the last year or so, we've gotten to go into many churches in many states. When, Bible, when the Bible talks about a form of godliness, let me tell you, church, there are many churches that have a form. They will do everything the same way every time. And now I can't tell if it's Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, full gospel. They all look the same. That's sad to me. I know we are all one church, and we are one body, child, children of God. But we've taken it a little too far. We have narcissistic worship leaders that direct the focus on themselves, and often they're nothing but hired hands that sing in the clubs on Saturday night and, and grace our platforms on Sunday. We sing self-elevating songs. We call God's love reckless. Let me tell you, God's love is never reckless. He knows exactly what he's doing at all times. And he will pursue you to the ends of the earth, but he is never reckless. We remind ourselves of what he says we are, but we forget to account for what he is, who he is, who he should mean to be us in our lives, what he should mean in our lives. We've taken respect out of the place of worship. And I was taught when you come into the house of God, you don't run. You go in with respect. I'd like to see a few more people running to church. Or even running down the aisle, maybe pastor, like the old days. I grew up in Pentecost, and I've seen it all. And that might all, all have been right. But I'll tell you what, the people that I was around learned how to talk right, live right, and spit white. That's the way we used to say it. I was taught not to talk, not to chew gum, and certainly not to look at my cell phone, but I didn't have one back then anyway. And to dress appropriately. To come prepared to receive something, but come with a sacrifice of praise and a sacrifice of us being prepared to come into the house of God. We've become social clubs today in many cases. We have a lot of programs, and it's better that they be here and I don't mean here specifically, it's better that they be in church than somewhere else. But if they live their life not ever knowing who real Jesus is and ever finding him because they never felt that spirit tug at their heart, what have we gained? There was a woman who was about to be stoned because she'd been caught in the act of adultery. And Jesus saw what was going on with the scribes and Pharisees and he stooped down and he rode in the sand until finally he looked up and no one was there but him and the woman. He said, woman, where are your accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He didn't just forgive her. He gave her a commandment too. Don't do that again. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will hear their heal their land. Since the beginning of time, Satan has sought to undermine the deity of Christ. 
even from the time of the garden where he beguiled Eve, told her, if you do this, you'll be like God's. He came to Jesus himself. All of us want to blame the devil for all the bad things that happen in our life. Sometimes it's just stupid choices. You know, I'm just calling it like it is. Look in the mirror first, because you probably did it. But in this case, Satan came to Jesus, and he said, after Jesus had fasted for 40 days, remember, and he came and said, um, now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, so that you don't even dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And I really like this one the best. And again, the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain. Do you know that we talk about how persistent God is for us? Do you know that Satan is just that persistent towards you as well? Do you think that you can ask forgiveness today and you just go for a week without any problems? Becoming a Christian does not eliminate all of your problems. If you're doing it right, you're probably going to have a few more trials, to be honest with you, because Satan doesn't like it when you're doing something. He might just let you slide a little bit if you're doing nothing. So the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, how about a narcissist here? I will give you all of these if you just fall down and worship me. Jesus, I wish I, I, wish I could have been there. And maybe hmm, this is really pious. But given Jesus a little counsel, I would have said, you know what to tell him, Lord? I'd have given him an option. But Jesus said, away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and only him will you serve. Today we have so many things going on in our schools, in our world, in our churches. And frankly, folks, I'm so, I'm so amazed that sometimes we have forgotten who we are supposed to serve. We've forgotten the deity of God. We've diminished him to just a good feeling. We say that Jesus saves, and he does. We say that Jesus wants you just the way you are, and he does. But once you meet him, you'll never be the same. You can come in as a wretched sinner. It doesn't matter what you are, what you've done, where you've been. Jesus loves you. You won't be the same once the master's hand has touched you. It's impossible. If you are the same today as you were when you think you met Jesus, let's pray. Because you are not the same. If you are the same, nothing changed. And if nothing changed, you didn't meet Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to tell you a little bit about those who wrote the Bible, who were the ones who penned the Bible, were given. Who do you say that I am? In Matthew, he's the Messiah who is king. In Mark, he's the Messiah who is a servant. In Luke, the Messiah who is a deliverer. In John, the Messiah who is God in the flesh. In Acts, the spirit who dwells within us. In Romans, the righteousness of God. In 1 Corinthians, the power and love of God. In 2 Corinthians, he is the down payment of what's to come. Pardon me. In Galatians, he is our very life. In Ephesians, the unity of our church. Philippians, the joy of our life. 
Colossians holds a supreme position in all things. In 1 Thessalonians, he's our comfort in the last days. In 2 Thessalonians, he's our returning king. 1 Timothy, he's the savior of the worst sinners. So no matter how bad you feel you are today, he can save you. He can turn your life around. In 2 Timothy, he's leader of the leaders. In Titus, he's the foundation of truth. In Philemon, he is our mediator. In Hebrews, he's our high priest. In James, he matures our faith. In 1 Peter, he is our hope in times of suffering. In 2 Peter, he's the one who guards us from false teaching. Lord, we need you today. In 1 John, he's the source of all fellowship. 2 John, God in the flesh. 3 John, the source of all truth. In Jude, he protects us from stumbling. And in Revelation, he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's coming again, and he's the one who makes all things new. Hallelujah. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Yes, give him a hand. He is the one that's coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what he is to me. I'll make this personal today. He is my creator. He is my healer. He is my provider. He's my comforter. He's my redeemer. He's my friend. He's the sacrifice for my sin. He is the king of kings. He is my savior. And I'm glad to say with every day I try to make him my Lord. You see, often... We want to be saved. We want to be in that clique, but we don't really want to surrender. We still want control. We're control freaks. We have to give it all to him. He knows the plans that he has for you, and they are for good. Sometimes we just get in his way. Let's not get in his way today. Do you know him? Who is he to you? I'm going to ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer. We're almost done. I want my beautiful wife to come up. I want her to sing a song for you as we close. And I'm going to turn over to the pastor to pray with you. And if there is anyone here today that doesn't know Jesus, please let us introduce you. I want to see that personally. I want to look into your eyes and I want to hold your hands and I want to hug your neck. And I want to pray with you and tell you the Jesus that I know. Come on, sir. Shall be strong Hold on 
Good, amen. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. Lord, in every season and every situation, you're a God who never changes. You've always been and always will be a God of forgiveness and restoration. Lord, you came to seek and to save that which was lost. And Lord, many of us here know what it means to be found by you. And Father, maybe today there's somebody who doesn't know what it means to be wrapped up in your loving arms. So Father, today we thank you that by your Holy Spirit you would move right now upon each and every heart. Father, there might be someone here today that's just like Ronnie's brother. Knowing you, raised to know you, but life pulled them in a different direction. And today you brought them here to hear a testimony and to hear a message where they would say, I know I need to give my life back to the Lord. 
I know I need to receive God's forgiveness and restoration in my life. So, Father, we ask you that you would move by the power of your grace in each and every heart. In Jesus' name. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I would ask you just to pray this with me, whether you've never known the Lord or whether you are in that place like Ronnie's brother and you know that God's brought you here because he loves you and didn't get here by accident. You got here on purpose with God drawing you here today. And you know that you need to seek his restoration in your life. So as we pray, you pray this from your heart. You make it your prayer, not just repeating words, but make it your prayer from your heart. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you today. You always have been and always will be a God of forgiveness and restoration. Today I ask you to forgive me and to restore me into the relationship that I know I'm supposed to have with you. Today I say yes to you. I give my life to you as my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for loving me, forgiving me, and restoring me. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this has been a, an interesting month for us. We're going through a lot of people and dealing with a lot of people losing loved ones in their life. And years ago, we had a dear friend of ours, and I don't know if anybody here other than our personal family remembers our friend Kathy Ron Vetter and that, but his wife passed away. And Ron and I used to sing this song called Running to Jesus. And uh, it just had to do, there's a pain inside that I could never let go. It's an empty space that feels about as deep as the sea. And I tried, but I can't find an answer. So I'm running to Jesus to see if he'll make a way for me. And in every situation, God always makes a way for us. Amen? And so always run to Jesus. Never run away always run to him the darkest moment the greatest challenges you can always run to him amen and he'll always love you he'll always restore you because that's what he do <laughs> that's what i do amen god's good amen did you receive anything this morning amen would you do this for me thank you amen i love our dear friends but let's Say thank you to the Lord for what he ministered to you. Not to Ronnie and Lisa, but to the Lord if God ministered to you. Then I would ask you, there's some offering envelopes underneath the chairs there. But I'd ask you just to prepare an offering. If you have the app, you want to give online or do that or want to make out a check. And uh, we just want to sow into Ronnie and Lisa and uh, say thank you to them for their ministry to us. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I think about it all the time because I always hear people say, well, the church only wants your money. I said, well, that's so weird because the church is the only place I know that you can go to for free. Yeah, I, I, I thought about making a church menu and making everything a la carte. 
So if you want worship today, then we have a prize for that. If you want child care, we have a prize for that. If you would like this, we have a prize for that. You want to be baptized? Well, we have a special online deal for that today. Amen. Did you bring your coupon? Hallelujah. So all those things. But church is the only place you can go and receive. And then you get to choose whether you, you want to give based upon what you receive. But when God moves in our heart, there's something about say, God, I, I, I want to say thank you. And I want to love you for what you deposited in my life. Father, today I thank you for the ministry that we've received here today. Lord, you've spoken to our hearts. You've reassured our faith. You've encouraged us through Ronnie and Lisa today. So, Father, we pray your blessing over them. And we thank you, Father, as we sow this seed, we pray that you would receive it. And, Father, you would cause it to be multiplied to them as you're using them to bring your healing message of forgiveness and restoration through their lives and their testimonies. Continue, Father, to heal lives and bring new lives into your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Everybody said.